welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hello, everyone, Buddy C. Welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. Today we have Marla and Amy and Kurt and Dan and Craig so far. Welcome, welcome. Metamorphosis from Merton's book on Chompsa. Any thoughts before we read this story? Everyone's got a copy, so we don't need a copy, okay? You want to read it, Marla? Hold on, let me unmute you. Why am I? It says I have to ask to unmute for some reason. Marla, can you unmute, please? There you go. Okay. <clears throat> Metamorphosis. Four men got in a discussion. Each one said, who knows how to have the void for his head, to have life as his backbone and death for his tail. He shall be my friend. At this, they all looked at one another, saw they agreed, burst out laughing, and became friends. Then one of them fell ill, and another went to see him. Great is the maker, said the sick one, who has made me as I am. I am so doubled up, my guts are over my head. Upon my navel, I rest my cheek. My shoulders stand out beyond my neck. My crown is an ulcer surveying the sky. My body is chaos, but my mind is in order. He dragged himself to the well, saw his reflection, and declared, What a mess he has made of me. His friend asked, Are you discouraged? Not at all. Why should I be? If he takes me apart and makes me a rooster, it makes a rooster of my left shoulder, I shall announce the dawn. If he makes a crossbow of my right shoulder, I shall procure roast duck. If my buttocks turn into wheels and if my spirit is a horse, I will hitch myself up and ride around in my own wagon. There is a time for putting together and another time for taking apart. He who understands the course of events takes each new state in its proper time. With neither sorrow nor joy, the ancient said, the hanged man cannot cut himself down, but in due time, nature is stronger. Then all, but in due time, nature is stronger than all his ropes and bonds. It was always so. Where is there a reason to be discouraged? I want to read another translation of this from Guy Fu Fang and Jane English. It gives a little better description. It has the names in it. I'll skip the names. I'll say four men were having a discussion. Whoever believes nothingness to be the head. So instead of void, they say nothingness. Life to be the backbone and death to be the tail. Whoever can know life, death, being, and non-being, all is one, shall be our friend. Gives a little better understanding there of that first phrase. The four looked at one another and smiled. And since they were in complete agreement, they became fast friends. Not long after, one fell ill. One of the others went to him 
and said, uh, great is the maker of things that he should make me as deformed as this. Great is the maker of things that he should make me as deformed as this. His crooked spine was curled round like a hunchback. His five organs were upside down. His chin rested on his navel. His shoulders rose up above his head. His neck bone pointed to the sky. His body was sick, yet he was calm and carefree. He limped to the well and looked at his reflection and said, Ah, the maker of things has made me all crooked like this. Does this upset you? No, why should it? If my left arm became a rooster, I would use it to herald the dawn. If my right arm became a crossbow, I would shoot down a bird for roasting. If my buttocks became wheels and my spirits a horse, I would ride them. What need would I have for a wagon? For we were born because it was time, and we die in accordance with nature. If we are content with whatever happens and follow the flow, joy and sorrow cannot affect us. This is what the ancients called freedom from bondage. There are those who cannot free themselves because they are bound by material existence. But nothing can overcome heaven. That is the way it has always been. Why should I be upset? I mean, what is there to add to that? Take whatever life gives you and be fucking happy with it. Yeah. <laughs> you better be fucking happy. Yeah, my God. Yeah, I mean, I see gratitude. I see, you know, first their whole attitude was, was you know, nothingness to be the head, life to be the backbone, and death to be the tail. To know life, death, being, non-being, all is one. I think that's the first part of this. If we if we approach life in this way, then we have the possibility of living calm and carefree regardless of our circumstances. That's why they were laughing. That's why they were smiling. Even though his body was sick, he was calm and carefree. And Amy, we're we're informal here. You just unmute. And we just talk, okay? So okay. if you got something to say, you just uh, let let us know. So, Well, of course I have something to say. Um, so all I kept thinking was the, the childlike faith. And if you hear my dog in the background, he's just rude. Childlike faith, you know, as a little child, I knew, intuitively knew that I would be fed and clothed and taken care of I might start crying it might get a little you know my feelings hurt because I'm not getting what I want my my parents especially my mom would always take care of me and that is a I think something in recovery that I've not strived to be but a concept that I would love to have you know just full complete acceptance of what is what is and not what I think it should be or what I think it should not be. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about, you know. Um, the, the people with um, 
I don't want to say handicaps, but I don't know what the politically, you know, maybe physical challenges or, or mental defects or, or deformities, you know, they live a really carefree life because they are by default forced to be in acceptance of their condition. Right. And so I aspire, I admire that capability, you know, they're not um, just like children, you know, we can, and in the big book, it tells us where it's obscured by calamity and worship of other things and all this other stuff, this worldly stuff gets, gets put on me and, and, and clouds my judgment and my beliefs. But um, if I could just get back to that place of nothingness of acceptance, um, then I you think know, I it, do have a shot. You know, it says too that this guy, he became ill. So he wasn't always this way. So he fell ill. They were all friends. They all agreed on their approach to life of being, of acceptance. Like, an, and uh, it said void for his head or uh, nothingness. More like, I think emptiness probably would be a good approach to that, you know, that this guy fell ill. So his friend came up and said, was really not in acceptance with him. You know, his friend said, are you okay with this? What's happening to you? And then I see him start doing all this explanation. I see that as gratitude. He's grateful. You know, he started saying, Hey, you know, I'm all this way. This is the way my maker has made me. And he even went to look at his reflection so he could see it even better. He said, aren't you discouraged? He said, not at all. Why should I be discouraged? And he starts talking about all the things he may can do and the way things could be different. Craig, you have something to? No, I was was just just re-looking at that first part where it says, um, each, each one says, who knows how to have the void for his head to have life as his backbone and death for his tail. I was just... Um, I was just wondering about the interpretation of that. Um, obviously, it's going to be the start, the middle, and the end of existence. Um, just accepting it for for what it is. That, that these are going to be the, the three stages that you have, um, and it's accept it's accepting everything that's going to be coming along for it and not resisting it. I, I didn't I didn't notice the part where it says one of them became ill. And this was the one that we were talking about, but uh, just what Amy, what Amy was talking about, the, 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 the childlike wonder. In the, the Taekwondo classes, we, we, we had um, children who were who were mentally challenged, um, some autistic kids, some people who they d- demanded more attention. And when we gave them more attention, they were more they were more settled in the class because that's what they were looking for. They were just looking for looking for that just that little bit extra love, just that little bit extra time to get spent with them because um, we all know the kids spell love completely different. They spell it time, T-I-M-E rather than L-O-V-E. So just some kids are just looking for that little extra time spent with them. Um, but one of the kids um, pointed out, this is like, look, Mr. McDee, how come that boy's different? How, how come that boy's different to us and in, in, in what he's doing? I was like, well, maybe he's not different to you. Maybe you are different to him. If you're looking at it from his point of view, you know, he's... He's as he's supposed to be. It's everybody else that's, that's different. Um, I, I think viewing everybody's um, everybody else's differences. We, we, when we go into AA, we're always taught to look for look for the similarities, not the differences. 
and I, I think sometimes a lot of people focus on the differences in other people's lives and they do miss they do miss the connections they miss everything that we, that we connect spiritually with each other they miss that spiritual rapport that we have with each other and we, we do concentrate on the things that other people have materialistically rather than the, the connections that we have spiritually uh, so that kind of that kind of jumped up of me just when we were talking about that Hey, Dan, I got a question for you. What do you think of this? Craig brought something to my attention I hadn't thought of. They're describing life as a body. The nothingness of the head, the life is the backbone, the death is the tail. Time as one existence, not time linear. Yeah, what do I think of that? Yeah, what do you think of that, man? I love it. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, that's totally different. So, yeah. Here's what I think of time. Um, I think it doesn't really exist. Um, and okay. So, so maybe this is a stretch, but this is, this is where my thoughts go. <clears throat> um, so we have the past, which are memories and we have the future, which are imagination and we have only the present. It's the time in which we actually exist. Okay, so there's that. <laughs> now there's this concept of infinity, which is that there is no beginning or end to anything. It just continues to go on, like, literally forever. So if we have this moment that goes on forever, there really is no time, is there? It's kind of a moot point. <laughs> I've never seen it. Yeah. I mean, I've never seen it described as a body though. You know, like, you know, like it's exactly what you're talking about. You know, it, it's describing all of your time as an, as one existence. Yeah. You know what? I've, I've kind of, yeah. So I mean, I mean, I mean, we could bring a lot into this. Uh, there's, there's quantum, mechanics and everything right where we're actually we're starting to see that like shit is and it's not right at the same time um and to the you know um okay so like here's our we have brains right and our, our brains are are perceiving with our corporeal senses they they perceive stuff going on right and we have this like this natural tendency to think that we're separate from everything else like because I can't put my finger through my hand or the door or something like that, it must be separate. But when we look at like on, on like the subatomic level, I mean, nothing is really actually there. <laughs> and yet when we pull back out with only our, our human senses, our corporeal senses, we see that, Oh, well we can perceive that things seem like they're there. Right. So if in fact nothing is there and everything is there at the same time, then as a body, I am only an illusion. My thoughts are only an illusion as a summary of all the little neurons and shit that are going on up there. My feelings are only an illusion. None of it is actually real enough for me to take completely seriously. Now, what is the point of me actually being here? Like, why? Why, why am I having this experience? Well, you know, there's an esoteric explanations of the afterlife and all that other kind of stuff, depending on which faith you're looking at. Um, we see that, okay, well, look, if, if we're all one body, right? Like literally 
we're everything and we're nothing all at the same time, which means that we're, we belong to the past. We belong to the future. We bring, but most of the, mostly we belong to the present. All is this one entire infinite organism, right? Of material and physical and, and biological and all that kind of stuff. Um, if that's the case, then really what we are is we're just experiencing illusions from certain perspectives and certain points of view for a particular reason that, okay, I, I'm okay with not knowing that. So when I have a life, I'm a person and I'm Dan and I'm like deformed or I'm not deformed or I'm an alcoholic or I'm a drug addict or I'm a normal person, whatever. Right. Like I am playing the part for which I was designed. Now I can either resist that and decide that I want to be separate or I can embrace that and accept that I am not separate and I have a part to play just like everybody else. And in so doing, if I participate, I'm joining to that timeless one that we were just kind of talked about. And you can laugh and you can be at peace and you can be in the calmness that doesn't make sense. You can be carefree. Yeah. No, like, look, that takes lots of practice. Yeah, but that comes I, from not, connection, right? Yes, I yes, I totally agree. So in the beginning, like before before I I embraced my alcoholism and you know my dependence on powers lesser than myself, <laughs> right? Um, like I was resistant to that whole thing, and of course that resistance is what caused me pain and suffering. But and that surrender and that admission that I was powerless over these things or my reactions were powerless over these things. I gained a great deal of freedom. And that was because I succumbed to the unity that is already and like from the beginning already there. And, and the way they got us to start looking at that, Dan was because they said, okay, you need to go help somebody. Well, how's that going to help me by helping someone else? Right. That's right, how they right. get us to start looking at that connectivity. So, because we're all this body. So when I help you, I'm really helping me. Yes. Yeah. One of, like one of the, um, one of the lines and one of the other books that I'm reading about um, Taoism says that anytime that you have plans or designs against somebody, you are the doer physically, but spiritually you're the receiver. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, whole, the, the same would hold true for anything that we do with another's well-being in mind as well. Thanks for asking me about that. That was. Yeah. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I hope you, I hope that was okay. Uh, I just no, felt like totally. you probably had an answer to that. <laughs> Circuitous or otherwise. Yeah. So what was the other? <laughs> when, when I, Hey Craig, just go help somebody and not worry about I don't it. Know. I just don't what, what was the original question that you asked him? <laughs> I forgot. Open mechanics was my second favorite lesson at school. It was, uh, Marla, it was um, that time as a body. You know, this guy looked at his whole life as time of his whole life as a body. His his head, then his life was the backbone and his death was a tail. His whole body was, was, it was thought of as a, I mean, time that he lived was thought of as a body instead of linear. It's thought of all at once. And it's interesting, though, the four were friends and they all thought this way. But when one had a real acceptance that they had to do, got sick, 
the uh, one of the others could not other friends had a hard time accepting that his friend was sick <laughs> so aren't you discouraged does that not sound, I mean, is that not the way it is? You know, we're all on this path and something really major happens or, you know, and our friends say, wait, wait a minute, you know, and, and I've had people come to me about, I said, you're not, that's not how you're supposed to be thinking. <laughs> you know, I, I, don't, I, I don't know if anybody else had this as well, but just, just when you're talking about that, just when one person becomes sick, other people tend to go the different ways. Other people tend to follow it. I had this, I had this thing that when I admitted to the fact that I've got a drink problem, I'm an alcoholic, I suddenly noticed all these people kind of disappearing out of my life. All these ones that were kind of in, in, it, in it for the wrong reason. They wanted to be in the, in, in, in the crowd of Craig the drinker. They didn't really want to be in Craig the sober person's life. I don't know if anybody else had that as well. And I've actually made more true connections in, in sobriety. I've found more people who are like me, more people who think like me. And I think I've found more people who are like the four friends at the start of this verse, the four ones that are more accepting of where I am, who I am, and what I'm doing, and the reasons behind what I'm doing. Not the, not the Craig, what, what, what can Craig give for me? What can I get from Craig? It's a case of, you know, how, how can we help each other? I think people get uncomfortable they don't know how to respond when, you know, in those situations sometimes. Yeah. And sometimes it's because we're highlighting things that are going on in their life that they're uncomfortable seeing. Yeah, I would agree yeah. with that. That's, that's sort of like the whole uh, teaching without words thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey, Dan, I noticed something new in the Tao Te Ching this week. Tell I me. noticed it does not mention karma anywhere, nor does it mm-hmm. mention sin. There's only one sin reference in the entire Tao Te Ching and the four translations that we use. And it was just that there's no greater sin than desire. So it wasn't even like a real sin reference, but I was amazed that there's nothing with karma, nothing with sin. I can't find anything about afterlife or, you know, you mentioned afterlife, you know, and I was like, wow, this is all about now. Yeah, I don't think the Tao has anything to say about the afterlife or the before life. Not, not in the Tao Te Ching. No, now the Taoist religion has a lot about that stuff. But talking about the philosophy itself, no. I don't see it. Maybe we're missing, I mean, maybe there's some references that you could take to say some of that, but I don't recall any. I mean, there's an awful lot of talk about immortality. Okay, uh, you know, afterlife is a part of immortality, I suppose. I mean, I, it, you know, you could take it apart and say that there's a before life, a during life, and an afterlife, but then you can put it all back together and call it immortality. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. yeah. But there's nothing about punishment or sin or karma or, you know, all those things. That's right. That's right. I think it really depends on how you're defining sin because sin is usually something that's, that's created not from God or something that strays from God. Whereas I think that in the Tao, they look at everything as being of the Tao, be it good or bad. It's our perception of the good it's and above, bad. It looks above that, I think. Yeah. Above yeah. those distinctions that we place. Yeah. On our story here, I really see this guy using gratitude. He really didn't even have to use it. Maybe he had already used it to get in the right place. Who knows? But when his friend came and was kind of like, are you okay with this? You know, you're really fucked up. You know, what are you going to do? You know, are you, are you sure, you know, you're okay? 
And then he starts, to, he looks at, even looks at, at himself. He talks about how great his maker is. And uh, I like this last part. It really tells a lot about there's a time for putting together and another time for taking apart. He who understands this course of events takes each new state in its proper time with neither sorrow nor, nor joy, just with acceptance. There's two ways. There's two ways I'm looking at that. And one of, I think the way they are talking or the way it's, it's being discussed is, you know, the, the, the life cycle or, you know, how, how things progress or regress. But there's also for me, just because of my present situation, um, it's in, in some of the, this course I'm taking and that sort of thing about money, I, I've realized my whole life, I, I just realized now about my whole life, how I think that everything should be a struggle. And, and, and so, and how I utilize money to prove that paradigm true by, by, by making bad decisions about money. And, and of course it comes from childhood. It, it's a whole thing. And, but, but what I'm having to do is not, is not construct, but like destruct. So like there's a time for putting together and there another time for taking apart. So I'm actually in the taking apart phase. I, I've got to break it down and take it apart and, and see where like my ego is, is directly linked to how I think life should be a struggle. And so I, it's because it's been on my mind and, I, and I'm going through a process right now. That's how I read that. Although I don't think that's exactly what they meant, but I, I'm just going to take it and run with it today because it's, it's one of the challenges I'm going through. And I, and I think um, for me, learning anymore is, is about taking apart all the things I've learned over the years. And, um, and that's where I'm, that's where I'm, I think it's most benefit beneficial for me to, to evolve and shed this ego that is basically lying to me. Yeah. It says if we're content with whatever happens and follow the flow, that's what you're talking about, Kurt, is you're, yeah. you're, you're trying to just follow what's in front of you with your situation, with what's going on in your business and everything. Right. Exactly. We were born because it was time. We die in accordance with nature. Content with whatever happens and follow the flow. Joy and sorrow cannot affect us. The ancient ones called this freedom from bondage. Those who cannot free themselves. Uh, there are those who cannot free themselves because they're bound. by. I, and I first read this. I thought it said bound by uh, material uh, things. I said, wait, it doesn't say material things. It says material existence. And I'm like, huh, it's deeper than things. It's this whole existence of material stuff. Much more than having the things. Oh, I read it, but yeah, and it's much more than the possessions. You know, it's 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 this whole existence in the this, 
everything is about what I can get, how I can keep what I have and not lose it and get more of it. It's whole existence. Yeah. I mean, because what is a Ferrari besides it being, I mean, a beautiful Italian car, right? But I mean, it's still a car, but what does it mean to me? What does it give me? What is it uh, falsely too? Or, um, I mean, does it give me power? Does it make me feel powerful? Does it make me feel important? Does it make me feel worthy? Does it, what does it give me? And that's the stuff to, to really look at because the car is a car. I told you, I don't think I told the group. I had a friend that bought him a Maserati yeah. and, and he, uh, he's in the program. He's just a successful business guy. He didn't buy a new one. Didn't spend a whole bunch of money on it. I mean, people spend more money on a Lexus than he spent on this Maserati. And he, uh, he ended up selling it pretty quick because he said, everybody looked at him differently when he drove his Maserati and he didn't like it. And it was interesting how it shifted and it wasn't him that shifted. It was everyone else. Excuse me. That goes right along with the, with the friend that looked at the the other one that got sick and said, aren't you discouraged? It's just the yeah. opposite of that. Aren't yeah, you discouraged? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Same yeah. thing. Just coming from the opposite direction, right? So do you think, do you think we're aware of our defects until somebody points them out? I think we have many blind spots. How about this? But nothing can overcome heaven. And I think uh, that would be, like nothing can overcome this force and this, the way of nature, this, that's, that's the flow that's happening. You know, there's nothing that can overcome that. So why should I be upset? And the way Merton translated it, it's talking about the hanged man cannot cut himself down, but due to nature, due, but in due time, nature is stronger than all his ropes and bonds. It was always so. Where is there a reason to be discouraged? So even looking at himself, he could not see a reason to be discouraged. Everything's as it should be. Uh, nature's going to take care of even the man that's uh, that's hung. You know, the hanged man is still going to get. I mean, the, the ropes cannot overcome nature. It, this is like kind of reminds me of what we do in steps six and seven, right? Um, so I'm aware of my defects. I'm looking in the well. And I see my reflection. I'm like, damn. Yeah. I created some wreckage with these particular aspects of my personality. And then in step seven, I'm asking for my higher power to have all of me, the good and the bad. I'm asking my higher power to, to have like me and my deformities and to remove those ones that I have placed there with my own selfishness and my own desires and everything like that. And what's left is my behaviors stay the same, but my intents change and my desires change and my priorities change. And so I've taken myself out of that picture. And if that means that I'm a rooster now or, <laughs> or I'm a cart or I'm a crossbow, so be it. I'm, I'm, I'm being that which my higher power designed me to be. So we're talking like in the very beginning, we, we mentioned 
the void for the head, the life is the backbone and death for the tail seems to me to be this like integrating process, right? So, you know, in, in some aspects of, of Taoism, they talk about this thing called the integral way where I'm taking my yin, my yang energy, and I'm through the process of participating in life, I'm refining that energy. Um, and man, I do that in step six. I mean, I do that in all the steps, but like six and seven are sort of like the nexus around which that all rotates. So void is the head, backbone is as life, and then tail is death. What am I doing in acknowledging that, but integrating everything that I am, physical, non-physical, everything and nothing, all at the same time, right? And so when I'm looking at my defects and those deformities, it seems to me that I'm, I mean, okay, so like I'm, at first I'm accepting who and what I am. But when I say if I'm a rooster, then I'm going to like announce the dawn. If I'm a crossbow, then I'll do my best to get a great meal. And if, <laughs> if my ass has wheels on it, then I'll be a horse cart. Yeah. What does that mean other than, hey, I am who I am and I can accept who I am. And if I'm lemons, let me allow the higher power to create lemonade from me. And oh, by the way, I get a vote because in step six, I'm willing. Step seven, I take action. So I'm willing, acknowledge the defect, work with it, not against it. And it no longer becomes a defect. It's an asset. But what has actually changed? Nothing. Because there was a time for, for pulling it apart, looking at it, acknowledging it, and putting it back together again. Thanks for allowing me to express my inspiration. You know, and rather than, like you're saying, Dan, rather than fighting against ourselves and what we are and situations that we can't change, we just go with the flow. You know, we just learn to, that we're right where we're supposed to be. All those things that we're told. You know, and, and I, there's so many situations I can't change and I can either go through kicking and screaming or I can be okay with it. And I can even be happy if I'm not kicking and screaming and fighting and the situation being no different at all. That's what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I can look at any time that I have even a small frustration. It is not going with the flow if I'm frustrated about anything, because why? Because I, there's a should in there. I think it should be different, different than it is. So, so right there, even though I say I'm going with the flow a lot of times, I I can use my mouth sometimes, but, but I demonstrate something completely different. And, and I, I demonstrate that no, I am going to argue with the reality of life. Because I'm going to get pissed off. I'm going to get, I'm going to no, it shouldn't be this way. My business shouldn't have tanked, you know, uh, friggin' hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. Or I shouldn't, be, you know, I can, I can I have a long list of shouldn't be's, you know, and I can get into acceptance, but I got to suffer first. And that goes back to, <laughs> to the struggle. But I, I don't think I have to do any of that, but the mindset that I'm trying to break away from is, is not having to go through that whole cycle to get to acceptance. And this guy's friend was suffering. 
he was not. And he was the one with the, with the issue, you know, so don't shit all over yourself. Right, Kurt? <laughs> that's, that's the name of the game. Yeah. Uh, Craig, what you got, sir? No, just some of the conversation reminded me of the, the prayer of St. Francis. If we want defects removed, then we have to be prepared to have something else to replace it with. So if I'm if I'm wanting, um, was it, it says whether whether it's hatred, I may bring love. So if I'm asking God to remove my defects of character, if, I, if I'm saying God, I'll go, just take this anger and take this resentment away from me, I have to imagine God saying, "Yeah, that that's fine, you know, Craig. I'll do that." But what I'm going to do is I'm going to replace it with tolerance. I'm going to replace it with kindness. So for every defect of character that you want replaced. I'm going to give you something else to concentrate on. I can take away, you know, I can take away just doubt. And I want you to concentrate on faith. I can take away, I can take away your your addiction, and I want you to concentrate on sobriety. So I think we have to be prepared for having these removed, but at the same time, focusing on the opposite of, of what's, what's been removed. But you know, that's, all that's so far outside of the scope of our control. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's the thing, you know, is this is all a surrender mm-hmm. to the moment. That's what it comes back to. Is that not what acceptance is, is surrender to what is? That's all it is. And I think surrendering to what is, is actually looking at the truth to, to some of the things inside you that a lot of people may be fearful of looking at. And what did the guy do? He went to the well and looked. He looked at the truth. He looked at how he really was. He didn't just think about how he felt. He looked at how he was. And there's a quote from, um, I mean, I've been looking at it lately, but it's from uh, the Gospel of Thomas. If you bring forth what is within you, what you bring forth will save you. If you do not bring forth what is within you, what you do not bring forth will destroy you. And that's really being able, being willing, honest willingness, you know, to look at this stuff. Kurt bringing the gospel of Thomas into the Tao. Sorry, Sorry, man. Sorry. No, man, I'm impressed. (laughs) I'm impressed. That's very applicable. Next next we'll be talking about quantum mechanics. (laughs) (laughs) What else do you guys have? I think we... We talked about Providence. Uh, it's all about, and I have life cycle wrote down, Kurt. That was one of my notes was the life cycle was written out for that. Yeah. Everything as it should be. The reason we would be discouraged, the reason I would be discouraged is because I want control to make things different. And what, oh, and the idea that uh, how that when we, we want things to be different, that never achieves the outcome that I really want. It just causes me to want something else to be different. For example, I wanted to stop and get some ice cream the other night on the way home. And I don't need to eat ice cream. I never need to eat ice cream again the rest of my life. I'm diabetic. I don't need it. It caused my sugar to go up. So I was thinking about ice cream on the way home. I said, hmm, what do I expect this ice cream to do for me? I said, it's not going to do it because I never can have enough ice cream. I always want more ice cream the next day. So why don't I just be okay with not getting any ice cream tonight? Damn. I said, hmm, okay. And I just was got okay with wanting ice cream and not getting it, you know. (laughs) 
And I did not stop at the Dollar General and buy ice cream. Buy my chocolate chip cookie dough pint that I eat the whole thing, you know, every time. And uh, it's just about accepting things like they are because you all always want to, you know, with acceptance, too, I've learned lately that there were little things under the surface that I was not, uh, just little things I wasn't accepting that were not big things, but it's like the things that if the genie, uh, if I had the bottle with the genie things, I would change, you know, if you could change anything in the world, if I was God for a second, what is it that I would change? If I can say anything I would change, I'm really not in acceptance because I've got these underlying things that I'm not accepting as they are. And it was just little stuff like, yeah, I would, I would lose 15 pounds. I take 15 pounds off like that. Or, you know, other stuff that, you know, like with work and business and money and all, you know, you think, wow, I'm really not accepting. I'm tolerating. I'm tolerating. And I was not in as much acceptance as I thought I was. So I started working on that. This was a couple of weeks, a few weeks ago. And I just started working on that. I'd, I'd stop when I was meditating, Dan, I would stop and I'd say, hmm. Is there anything that right now I would change? If I could change anything in the world, what would it be? And I got down to nothing that I would change. And it took some work. It took some work. Comments? I mean, I could definitely relate to that. You know, I I have a list of things I, I decided that I want to do for the day. I have a list of objectives that I want to achieve in professional life. Um. And I, you know, I, I think that's okay. But what I, what I know, not necessarily what I practice, but what I know, is that to the extent that I attach my emotional well-being to the accomplishment of those objectives is the extent that I suffer. So the exercise itself and and getting rid of, well, not, I mean, like just allowing like letting go of desire letting go of ambition and all that kind of stuff like and moving into acceptance it's you know kind of like we say in the program simple but not easy right and who's making it hard i'm making it hard obviously like okay got it i I make it hard but damn it's hard (laughs) or like and i found there were little things like about my wife that i would change a little stuff nothing major but just some little or things about my kids i might change like and good stuff, you know, not bad things, you know, good things, yeah, you know, and not even stuff. And it got down to things that weren't even uh, things things of, that were selfish on my part. You know, it was still things that I would change if I could. I'm like, ooh, I am not as accepting as I thought I was. <laughs> that's that's a great barometer, you know. I mean, I've I've kind of. Uh... I've thought about trying to locate desires and stuff like that within. And sometimes when you're looking at it too hard, like it goes away, you can't even see it. Right. So I feel like that's a great question to ask myself. In fact, I'm going to write that down. Cool. Recognizing things that need to change or things that we want to change. Things we want to change. I'm, I'm divorcing my husband. That's a huge change. Dumping the relationship. Right. And you're going with the flow. I mean, you're making the change, but you know, yeah. that that's different from things that. I had to come to an acceptance that, that there, 
there, there was nothing to be done. Right. It was an acceptance of things. And I was tolerating for so long. All those things came up. Yeah, but that, but you're, but you're going through those things now though, Marla, I'm talking more about things that you can't change that you wish you could. You're, you're making the change with your marriage, which is, you know, the whole, the, the, the underlying theme is I'm under, underemployed, which, which if I could change that, yes, in a huge way, it's a, it's a bone for me. It's a, a huge, for me, a character defect. I have found that if the more I can accept the situation that I'm in as being okay with whatever it is, it, it allows me to see how to make good changes, how to go with the flow. In other words, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense because if, if you cut, if you don't look at it, if I don't look at, at it from the point of view, you just said, I, I tend to put that screen up and then that screen blocks me from all the great things that are going to come out of it or the lessons, the hard lessons sometimes, but all this other stuff that's working under the surface sometimes um, I won't pick up on. And it's a big loss. I mean, I don't know it because I didn't see it, but, but it's still a big loss because then I have to go through the whole the whole pain of learning the whole lesson again until I finally, oh, that's what's going on here. You know, so um, because we never see it clearly, we never see clearly what's really happening. No. And that's where the lack of faith or faith comes in, depending on the day or week or month for me. Because I have had a a lack of faith this year. Um, I have had a tremendous amount of faith, but I know what both feel like. And I'm being challenged in a lot of different ways. And that's, I think it's good if I can just be, you know, continue to be open. It's not gratitude, right? Yeah. And it's not, I mean, some days I am not grateful. Yeah. I mean, I just, I'm just going to tell you, tell us it, speak the truth. I mean, it's, there's too much as a human being sometimes in my life, but gratitude does ground me where it's like, look, you, you don't have it bad, dude. You have it different than what you were used to and how you expected life to be and all of this. But my God, you are so fortunate in so many different ways. And, and when I get us away from that, man, let the suffering begin. And <laughs> Do you think that's because as, as human beings, we put expectations on ourselves even? like set the standard so high that even sometimes it's unattainable for us. And then, you know, just like the big book says, when I put expectations, when my expectations are high, my serenity is low. Um, They're, they're proportional, right? So maybe as a human being, I even put those expectations on myself because I know I can't put them on other people. So, you know, it's, it's like a dance, Um, I think before recovery, it was a dance of me expecting you to behave a certain way. And now it's a dance of me expecting myself to behave a certain way. And so it it comes right back down to it is what it is. And as long as I can stay in that moment, um, then maybe I I can have a, a, a grateful day 
and grateful moments throughout the day more often than not. There's so many things that, that I just, whether I, whether I obtain them again or not, it doesn't really matter. There's so many things that I appreciate more. This environment, this pandemic environment is pretty, pretty rich for spiritual work for sure. Cause there's a lot of stuff to look at. There's, i I'm discovering stuff about myself and, and, and I can't deal with it. And I'm saying, I'm so thankful for, for recovery and sobriety for that, because I never had any sort of self-awareness ever. And, and I just, just grotesquely, disgustingly just stomped through life. And, and I, I'm able to pause now and be a part of more and and you guys, Dan and um, Buddy mentioned selfishness, and I that's a huge part, but it's a huge part. But self centeredness, if I really look at it, I'm I really think like Amy said. I really think people should be doing something. You know, I always have a little opinion about how people should be behaving, and it's really has nothing to do with me. I mean, if you look at it, it's none of my business, and uh, I don't know. There's just a lot of thoughts in my head, so I hope I'm not like just <laughs> vomiting all over this thing. It's okay. <laughs> We're on Zoom, so it's all right. We don't have to clean it up. <laughs> Amy, I think it's fear. It gets back to the fear. You know, we talk about fear all the time, and I think it's just if you get down far enough, you dig deep enough, you're going to hit fear. You're going to hit fear, either losing what you've got or not getting something that you want. Every time. That's why it's so hard to look at, you know, ways of being like stuff, ways I've been my whole life because they've served me, but they don't serve me anymore. And I'm like waking up to certain ways that I just. You just thought they were serving you. Yeah. I mean, maybe it was survival at one point in time and it's not that anymore. It's actually stopping me from moving forward, but it's still like peeling back skin, looking at some of this stuff. And his final statement was, where is there a reason to be discouraged? The guy's deformed, right? He, and he's asking, is it why, why should I be discouraged? Where is there a reason for me to be discouraged? And he got there through acceptance. Or he got there through gratitude. He got to acceptance through gratitude. That's what it looked like to me. That's good stuff. Anything else, guys? Amy, you got something? Yeah, relieve me of the bondage of self. Yes. I think it even goes back to that third step prayer. Yeah. Isn't the whole program about the third step, though, doing what we decided to do in the third step, turning more and more of our will and life over to God's care? I think that's what it's about, guys. Anything else before we close? Dang, third step keeps coming up. Dang, doesn't it? I can't get away from it. Every time. All right, guys. Well, y'all have a great week. Great week. Good meeting. Thank you. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.